Welcome to tonight's episode of the Remso Martinez Experience. Before we get started, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to some of this episode's sponsors. From self-publishing to podcasting and passive income development, I offer ongoing self-development courses at Champion Pundit Academy, as well as one-on-one private consultations to take you from zero to hero in no time. Learn more at championpunditacademy.com. That's championpunditacademy.com. You want to know what you need more of in your life? Politics. Yeah, nobody ever said that. But if you've got to go ahead and spend money on one nonfiction book, it's got to be the ultimate clash of wisdom, awesomeness, and then obviously the politics. But why not a little bit of comedy? Why not a little bit of a memoir? Why not something that's going to make you say, hey, I actually enjoyed reading this. I laughed. I learned something in the process. Check out my book. It's an Amazon bestseller. You may have heard of it. It's Stay Away from the Libertarians. It talks about all the things you think you might know about libertarians, plus a lot of things that I bet dollars to donuts you don't know about. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. So go on right now. You can get it in print or ebook or Kindle or whatever you call it. Just go out and get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online today. It's Stay Away from the Libertarians by Remso W. Martinez. Happens to be me. Here's a little bit of a personal history. For a good couple months, maybe like three, four months, I tried to repress this memory so that way I don't have to think about it often when I think of my uh, long and rather random job history. But I was a unarmed security guard for Reston Town Center in Reston, Virginia. I uh, was a mall cop and I got paid pretty good money for part-time work, having to just literally stand around outside all day, look tough, and direct people to Victoria's Secret, Ben and & Jerry's, and Starbucks. But, uh, oh, and I issued a lot of tickets. If you're from the Northern Virginia area, Beltway area, and you know about Reston Town Center, you understand that we're the only mall in this area that actually charges people for parking. And, uh, that did not make me a very popular person. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Remso Martinez Experience. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. Go ahead and do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter today at Remso4VA. That's four spelled out, F-O-R-V-A-R-E-M-S-O-F-O-R-V-A on Twitter. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram as well. I do more stuff there. It's just Remso, the number four, and then VA. So Remso, the number four, VA. And uh, back back to what I was saying. So... um, yeah, that, that job was basically it. I, I stood around, I looked tough, I gave people parking tickets, and I directed them to Starbucks and Victoria's Secret. Believe it or not, Victoria's Secret was the most um, – uh, I, I think we got more thefts and theft reports from Victoria's Secret than any other location on Reston Town Center. It was a pretty unrewarding job. No one really likes you as a mall cop. But hey, I needed the money. It was easy. I got to work part-time doing that. I don't regret it. Good learning experience. Good good humbling experience. But um, you know, m- many people, when, when you think of mall cops, you think that's probably like the bottom uh, 
you know, mall cops are the butt of most jokes. I mean, I've heard every Paul Blart joke you can imagine. But the thing is, like, even mall cops have people that we kind of shit on and make fun of. Yes, I am talking about the TSA. You might hate mall cops, but a mall cop has never fondled you in areas you did not give them explicit permission to go out and touch. Uh, as of now, we are hitting day 18 of the federal government shutdown. And um, yeah, you, you'd think by some reports that we're entering Mad Max's utopia and others, it's like, um, you know, no, nothing, nothing has happened. I can tell you this. I don't watch cable news. Uh, I have not really gone online to learn about this much unless I'm prepping for an episode of the show. And then each time I go and Google shutdown news, it's like, you know, it's the, the funniest stories have popped up. Um, if you listen to Monday's episode, I went ahead and talked about that absolutely ridiculous, just completely fabricated article by BuzzFeed. We went ahead and broke down the false reports of deaths at national parks where they were basically saying all these people were dying at national parks because of the shutdown. Then all we had to do is read the article and even the reporter admitted that none of that was true. But, you know, most people just look at the headlines. So uh, you can go ahead and check out that episode. That was that will probably lead us into today because we're kind of covering the same thing. This is this is probably funnier than faking deaths at uh, uh, Yosemite National Park and Yellowstone and other places like all the rock canyons out in Arizona. Or seriously, just Google Arizona rock canyon death. You're probably going to find, you know, at least a death every month. It's it's terrible, but it's it's funny when you really think about it. Uh, people just don't pay attention to where they step and they go on places where it's pretty obvious you probably should not be standing. Uh, today we're reading an article from the Huffington Post, HuffPost. TSA union warns of massive security risk as some officers quit amid shutdown. Ooh, because if there's someone we feel bad for, it's TSA agents. We'll go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just read the, the gist of the article and I'll link to it in the show notes today. Um, let's get started. At first, transportation security administration screeners were just calling out sick from work. Now some are quitting altogether, their union says. In a statement released Tuesday, the American Federation of Government Employees, which represents the workers, warned that safety could take a big hit in transit hubs as the federal government shutdown drags into week three, leaving staff without pay. Now, just so you know, federal government employees during a shutdown, they so, yes, they are working without pay, but they will get paid. They will get back pay. For that. So, yes, it sucks now, but if they show up to work, they will still get that accumulated pay for the days that they were not getting paid immediately. So, all the money that they should be getting for the work that they did put in will eventually come. That's something you never hear about on the news. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Every day I'm getting calls from mem my from uh, my members about their extreme financial hardships and need for a paycheck, said Hydric. Thomas, the organization's TSA council president. Some of them have already quit and many are considering quitting the federal workforce because of the shutdown. The loss of officers, while we're already shorthanded, will create a massive security risk for American travelers since we don't get enough trainees in the pipeline or the ability to process new hires. Don't you think it's funny that no one complained about this shutdown when Obama shut down the government? I don't remember anything really terrible happen except 
everyone saying that the Republicans were about to, you know, launch a nuclear holocaust. But, you know, apparently this is just something that happens when a Republican is president and the government shuts down. Uh, let's continue. Oh, and the fact that no one wants to be – they have a lack of trainees. Yeah, who wants to work for the TSA? I don't know anyone that wants to work for the TSA. I know people that did work for the TSA and left the TSA, but I've never met anyone that wants to go work at the TSA. Uh, let's continue. Last week, the AFGE launched a lawsuit against the federal government for forcing federal employees to show up to work uncompensated, calling the demands inhumane. They're, they're going to get compensated eventually. It's just not happening now, but they're going to get compensated. If they didn't get compensated for that, then, yeah, that would probably be inhumane, but that's not happening. Let's continue. Around that time, the union stated TSA agents were starting to skip work. The situation now appearing to be escalating. In addition to raising security issues, fewer staffers on duty would increase wait times with longer lines at airports. You mean it's going to be longer than it already is? Like, my God, that's that. Okay, that is pretty terrifying. It is completely unacceptable that the women and men who risk their lives safeguarding our airports. What? Okay, let's read that again. It is completely unacceptable that the women and men who risk their lives safeguarding our airports. Okay, little TSA fun fact. If I were to run through a TSA security point at airport, would the TSA agent chase me? Don't think too hard. No, because the TSA has no law enforcement capability. They don't have guns. They don't have tasers. They can't chase you. They can't tackle you. They can't do anything. It's full-on security theater. What happens is the TSA will call airport security. You know, those little police cars outside. They'll call air marshals, U.S. marshals. They'll get literally someone with an actual badge and a gun to go out and take care of you but to say that the the tsa is risking their lives have we ever heard of a tsa agent dying in the line of duty last i checked those thin blue line flags don't really extend out to tsa if they do i'd like to make the argument that that more mall cops have died (laughs) and risked their lives than the tsa just just putting that out there that is uh that's that's ridiculous that is that is just oh my gosh that i it's hard to read past that i'm sorry it's just a little distracting blah, 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 blah. it is completely unacceptable that the women and men who risk their lives safeguarding our airports are still required to report for work without knowing when they'll be paid again okay that that part because we don't know when the government's opening back up i i understand that but there's got to be provisions out there i'll know that there are but like this you know, that, that part I do understand because it's not like they're getting type of, you know, insight as to when it happens. They know as much as we do. Um, TSA officers already have the least amount of rights of any federal officer. Yeah, because they're just a step. I'm sorry. They're a step below mall cops. They're mall cops that are called federal employees, but whatever. Some of the lowest pay and highest attrition rates in the government because no one wants to work there. Because it sucks and it's stupid and it doesn't do anything. And among the lowest morale of any federal agency, yeah, I, I could believe that because if mall cops are dishing on you like we used to, then you've got a problem. Uh, anyway, working for weeks on end without being compensated while already being short-staffed only makes their situation worse, he said. And that part I do get. I, I you know, My heart goes out to them. 
continuing, the federal government spiraled into a partial shutdown last month over Congress's inability to pass a spending bill, including President Donald Trump's demand for border wall funding. He's seeking more than $5 billion, but Democrats have yet to budge and no end to the impasses in sight. Uh, I think it was Mark Levin. He did a breakdown of the federal budget that $5 billion falls into. And this, this should horrify you if you're a numbers guy. It makes up point. I'm sorry, 0.001% of the federal budget. That is chump change. $5 billion is chump change compared to what the federal government spends things on. And, uh, you know, some people are wondering, you know, how, how should Trump deal with this issue? Because it's going to start becoming pretty pretty more apparent as people start to really think of ways to use the TSA, which is just full-on security theater. No one really loves them as a way to score political points. Uh, Two things I do want to point you to are the Boston police strike and then Ronald Reagan dealing with the air traffic controllers. But we'll we'll try and break it down one by one. For some of you that don't know, Calvin Coolidge is probably my favorite president in all of American history. And uh, I'm reading an article from uh, ushistory.com. I'll go ahead and link this article in the show notes. But long story short, um, there were a series of strikes that were going on because of unions. And according to this article, by the fall of 1919, a series of strikes had hit the United States as unions attempted to gain higher wages to adjust for wartime inflation. That was a big issue because of World War One. It was our first major foreign war where, I mean, we were just, that was also a few years after the Federal Reserve came out. So we're just printing and inflating money and it's affecting people at home because of the draft and austerity. It was a bad time. Uh, the article continues, collective bargaining had long been viewed by, with suspicion by many Americans, whose suspicions were heightened by the worker revolution in Russia and efforts to spread communism throughout the Western world. In Boston, the largely Irish-American police force had seen its wages lag badly during the war. Efforts were made to organize in order to gain not only higher pay, but shorter hours and better working conditions. Um, Police Commissioner Edwin U. Curtis refused to sanction a police union and suspended the leaders from the workforce I'm sorry, from the police force in August 1919. On September 9th, more than 1,100 officers went out on strike, which removed three-fourths of the of the city's, uh, which removed three-fourths of the force from the city streets. Rabble-rousing Bostonians took advantage of the lack of authority and rioted. On the following day, Mayor Andrew J. Peters summoned local militia units, which managed to restore order. At this juncture, Governor Calvin Coolidge, elected the previous November, decided to enter the picture after having passed up an initial opportunity to resolve the matter. Coolidge summoned the entire Massachusetts National Guard, a show of force that rapidly caused the strike to collapse and earned the governor the reputation of a strict enforcer of law and order. Um, I'm going to skip a paragraph here, and just remember, I'll post this article in the uh, in the show notes. Um Continuing, Coolidge defended the decision not – oh, actually, no, I need to read that. The striking, <laughs> the striking policemen were not allowed to recover their jobs, which went overwhelmingly to returning servicemen coming back from the war. The new officers were granted higher pay and additional holidays and gained the additional benefit of free uniforms. Coolidge defended the decision not to rehire the strikers in a remark to Samuel Gompers, the head of the American Federation of Labor, proclaiming, There is no right to strike against the public safety by anybody, anywhere, anytime. And uh, this prompted 
Coolidge, Coolidge's reputation to rise. He eventually became Harding's vice president. Then he succeeded Harding when he died, and then he won his first re-election as his own right in the in in the Roaring Twenties. So that's what Coolidge did. And in uh, in Coolidge, the the biography by uh, historian Amity Schles, one reason why those police officers also striked was because they refused to patrol black neighborhoods, which gives. Coolidge, also the reputation of one of the first major civil rights presidents post-Reconstruction, so post-Civil War, obviously. Um, That's what he did with them. Think about that. There is no right to strike against the public safety by anybody, anywhere, anytime. That, That should bother you, especially if you're one of those people that think that everyone in government is moral and righteous, because obviously they wouldn't just do this for money, would they? No, they're they're doing it for. They're, they're doing it for like, you know, uh, grand, grand reasons of success and civility and society and democracy. They're not doing it because they want more things. No, let's continue. Um, and this article that I'm reading is from Politico. Reagan fires 11,000. So it's kind of funny when you look at the numbers. Calvin Coolidge fired 1,100 police officers. Reagan fires 11,000 striking air traffic controllers on August 5th, 1981. There's a short article. I'll go ahead and jump through this real fast. In 1981, President Ronald Reagan fired more than 11,000 air traffic controllers who had ignored his orders to return to work. The sweeping mass firing of federal employees showed commercial air travel, but I mean, I mean uh, blah, blah, blah. The sweeping mass firing of federal employees slowed commercial air travel, but it did not cripple the system as strikers had forecast. Two days earlier, nearly 13,000 controllers walked out after contract talks with the Federal Aviation Administration collapsed. As a result, some 7,000 flights across the country were canceled on that day at the peak of the summer travel season. Uh, Reagan, I'm skipping a paragraph, Reagan branded the strike illegal. He threatened to fire any controller who failed to return to work within 48 hours. Federal judges levied fines of $1 million a day against the union. In 1955, Congress had made such strikes punishable by fines or one year in jail, a law the U.S. Supreme Court upheld in 1971. To the chagrin of the strikers, the FAA's contingency plans worked. Some 3,000 supervisors joined and 2,000 non-striking controllers and 900 military controllers in manning the commercial airport towers. Um, In carrying out his threat, Reagan also imposed a lifetime ban on rehiring the strikers. In October 1981, the FAA authority decertified PATCO. That was the union. uh, Historian Joseph A. McCartan concluded that the 1981 strike and defeat of PATCO was, quote, one of the most important events, end quote, in the late 20th century labor movement. Donald J. Devine, the director of the Office of Personal Management at the time, said, quote, when the president said no, American business leaders were given a lesson in managerial leadership that they could not and did not ignore. Many private sector executives have told me that they were able to cut fat from their organization and adopt more competitive work practices because what the government did in those days. 
I would not be surprised if these unseen effects of this private sector shakeout under the inspiration of the president were as profound in influencing the recovery that occurred as the formal economic and fiscal programs continued to cause American uh, discussions to grow. So right there, you have two examples of presidents that actually you know, took a hard stance that were deemed by the media insanely unpopular, but it had to be done. Nothing else could have happened. When you're working for the public, I'm sorry, but things are a little bit different. You're not a private sector employee. You don't get to argue as much. You don't get to negotiate as much. And when you're looking at something that has that drastic effect, You've got to you got to play ball and you got to deal with the hardship. And I, I do believe, though, that in situations like this, there should be some emergency fund. If anything, I look at the TSA and I'm thinking, why don't these government agencies have anything that could at least protect their employees from at most maybe a 90 day shutdown? I think it's I think more blame needs to be put on them because they're working of borrowed time and borrowed money. And at some point, we, we need to really address this. So I'm hoping that is something that is addressed from this. Now, bigger, bigger discussion, I mean, the fact that the TSA is holding American flyers hostage, why, why is that not bothering anybody? Like, that, that bothers the hell out of me. I mean, it's not like they've ever not caught a terrorist. Oh, wait, they haven't. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the TSA lets people get through with uh, guns, drugs, and other unmentionable illegal things on a pretty regular basis. So let's go ahead and really think about this. Why not abolish the TSA? I found a pretty good case for it. I know what you're thinking. Oh, Remso, you're just going to cite Cato or Heritage or something. No, my silly progressive friend, let me help you. This article is coming from a place that I do not necessarily care for, but it was a good article. This comes from Vox, and I will go ahead and include this in the show notes as well, by uh, Dylan Matthews at Vox, The Case for Abolishing the TSA. And this is a pretty old article, too, way before the shutdown, so I wonder if his opinions have changed. But nonetheless, good article, May 26, 2014. Um, So he, he talks about um, the frisking, the invasive body scans, racial profiling, and other indignities that we've had to deal with for yeah, when the time this was at the time this was written, thirteen years. Uh, and he continues, it's worth remembering that the inconvenience and injustice of the TSA's activities exist for literally no reason. If the agency's privacy violations and annoying carry-on regulations were merely the price we paid for reducing the incident, the incidence of terrorist attacks, that'd be one thing. But as security expert Bruce Schneer likes to know, there's no evidence that the TSA has ever prevented a terrorist attack, and there's some research suggesting it could serve to increase non-airborne terrorist attacks. Airline security is, so far as we can tell, totally useless. And this is coming from Vox. I don't necessarily think he has a libertarian constitutionalist stance against the TSA, but that's a good, he's providing good enough reasons right there. Uh, We continue, a literature review by George Mason's Cynthia Lum and Rutgers' Leslie Kennedy and Allison Shirley show the studies testing the effectiveness of airport security, specifically of metal detectors and security screenings, found on average that the measures in question prevented about 6.3 hijackings over the years examined. If that were all they found, that'd be a pretty solid case for this TSA. Oh, but this is one of my favorite parts. Um, But the attacks weren't simply prevented. They were merely displaced. While there were 6.3 fewer hijackings, there were 6.8 more 
miscellaneous bombings, armed attacks, hostage-taking, and events which, in, which included death or wounded individuals, as opposed to non-casualty incidents in both the short and long run. Mmm. Ah, oh, that just stings a little bit, don't you think? Making hijackings harder, in other words, didn't reduce attacks, but encouraged would-be hijackers to attack through other means. Additional research done after the review has merely concluded the screenings are, in fact, a wash. And you can go ahead and read that entire article yourself. I'll include it in the show notes. Oh, man, this is like <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to get a different perspective on this because, I mean, it definitely strengthens my opposition to the validity of the TSA. But um, I mean, just just the examples he provided, it would have been perfect if he could have provided that uh, clip from SpongeBob where they're talking about. Uh, moving the town from the giant worm that's going to come eat it. And Patrick is like, what if we just take the city here and push it over there? And by the time the worm eventually does eventually plow through where the city would have been, the town folks of Bikini Bottom got together and they went ahead and actually literally moved the city. Uh, Man, this is this is ridiculous. And uh, you know, two points to kind of conclude the show. Um, if you're a TSA employee, if you're any type of public sector employee, I'm sorry. Even when government shut down, you have to go to work. You you have to go to work. That's that's actually part of your contract as a federal employee. Even state employees, local employees, you have to do what's best for the public good, the public defense, the common good for the public as a public sector employee. So that's that's a message to that crowd. Secondly. I'm hoping that a lesson we learn is that we don't want to be in this situation later. Emergency funds need to be set up. Contingencies need to be planned. I do feel bad for TSA workers and other federal contractors and workers who are going without pay. And by contractors, you probably might think of the mental image of a Raytheon or Halliburton employee. But the thing is, like when they're talking about the contractors that aren't getting money, it's people that are like janitors, people that are actual laborers, people that actually do need their paycheck. And I do think that it is wrong for them not to get paid for the work that's happening because you know the people at the bottom usually get screwed. And what's to say they don't come up something that says, oh, sorry, we're not going to pay you back for that. But, uh, you know, thanks for coming into work. We, we, we are a nation of adults running this adult government, I think. Is it too hard to just ask for a contingency plan? So that way, when this happens, because it'll always happen, Democrat, Republican, whatever, this will happen again in the future. Don't think this is the first government shutdown. History didn't start 18 days ago. And don't think this is going to be the last government shutdown. We, we owe it to each other to be responsible, but we also owe it to our posterity to come up with better options for how we take care of situations and each other. I do feel bad for the TSA agents that are having to go through this. They don't deserve that. No one deserves that. Everyone needs to get paid on time, every time, all the time. But we can still find some things to laugh about. Uh, for those of you that aren't following culture on Twitter, that's C-U-L-T-T-T-U-R-E, culture with three T's on Twitter. It's uh, probably the only page that's actually keeping me on that site. What they did was they, uh, they're they like the now this of the 
MAGA uh, movement to say. Um, and uh, it got a little bit of a TMZ vibe too. I'm I'm doing a little bit contributing to them. I, I like I like their I like their game. And uh, what they did was they posted a clip from a song that uh, comedian Owen Benjamin went ahead and wrote and sang. And uh, I think it's beautiful. And I can't tell if it's simply just you know comedic or if it's sadly sadly true. Oh wait, there's a word for that satirical. I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, you know finish the show for that. And uh, take care, folks. We'll talk to you later. Shut down time with no federal government who will tap our phones. Shut down time. One last call to build the wall and send all the illegals home. With no federal government. Who tears down the monuments? Will TSA still fondle my balls? No more fake entitlements. Feel free to keep your armaments. They can't hurt us anymore. I know who loves to bitch and moan. I know who wants to raid my home I know who wants to block my kids' hormones And launch some drones Shut down time Who will sell uranium To Putin and some more to Iran Shut down time Feds don't care about opioids Vet suicides unless they are trans Shut down time Buffalo and Yellowstone Are going unprotected tonight Shut down time More soy for all the boys So they have low tea and they cannot fight Fight